verses 18 through 29. You know, I've always wanted to climb a mountain. Anyone else? Have you, has anyone climbed a mountain in here before? Anyone? A couple people? I've always wanted to climb a mountain. And uh, there is a mountain in Pakistan called K2, which is the second largest mountain in the world that I think, man, that'd be really cool to climb. Um, the bad news is it's like 28,000 feet, and I guess you have a 25% chance of dying when you climb it. But there's something kind of cool about mountains, right? There's something like, like awe-inspiring, and you know, I've, I've been to the hills of Winona, and, uh, which is on the, 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 the border of uh, uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. They have foothills in Minnesota, and I've, I've climbed some of those foothills before. And there's just something really cool about being on top of a mountain or on top of a large hill and looking out over God's creation and seeing his glory and seeing his splendor. And so um, today we're going to talk about the two mountains. Can you look to your neighbor and say, the two mountains? The two mountains. So we're going to talk about the two mountains. And so, um, again, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 through, or verses 18 through 29. And uh, the author is saying here, he says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire to darkness and gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who hear it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touched the mountain, it would be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicates the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Let us be thankful. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. God, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you so much for your power and for your majesty and for your might and for your awe and for your splendor. God, we thank you for all the things that you've done that are just amazing, Father. And God, I just pray as we take a little bit of time and, and, and study these two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion, God, I pray that we will be thankful. Thankful that we don't um, approach a mountain that cannot be touched, Father, but that we approach a mountain that can be. And God, I just pray that you will minister to us, spirit and in truth this morning, in your holy name. Amen. The two mountains. Now the author, I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation for you, and then I'm going to bring it home here for you, okay? 
So the author here is writing, so just kind of to understand the context, the, the author here is writing Jewish Christians, first century Jews, people that had experienced the law and had experienced Christ, so they'd experienced both, and, and now they're tempted to fall back into their old beliefs, into the old covenant. So the, the two mountains represent two covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant. So he's speaking to these Jews that had been, uh, again, they had received Christ, and now they were kind of falling back to what they had done before. Um, and so, so really he's kind of writing people who were not fully committed to God. Um, have you ever met someone that isn't fully committed to God? Have you ever met someone that maybe you've even been there at a time, in a place in your life where it's like you, you've experienced some of God's blessings, but at the same time, you're kind of keeping your foot back on what was and what has been. And, and I kind of think this is kind of the way that these people were living. They, were, they, 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 they had seen, they'd experienced some of the new covenant, but at the same time, they were looking back on the old covenant. And actually, if you read the book of Hebrews, it's really this amazing book where the author really tries to separate the two and really tries to show the listeners that Jesus is the answer. Amen? Like, we don't have to, 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 um, we don't have to go into the temple and sacrifice, uh, you know, sheep and bulls. Like, 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 Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And so the book of Hebrews kind of lays this back and forth. And the author is kind of talking about the contrast between the two. And what he's doing here is he's actually painting this picture of two separate mountains. He's painting a picture of, I have a ladder over here. I was going to build a mountain here this morning, but I realized I didn't have enough dirt in the parking lot. We have two mountains here. We have Mount Sinai over here. And then over here, we have Mount Zion, all right? And so for effect, what he's doing to draw an illustration to his readers is he's drawing a picture of two separate mountains. And in the first portion of Scripture, in verses 18 through 21, he actually draws a picture, he kind of lays forth a picture of what it was like to approach God on Mount Sinai. And if you go there and you look, it's actually kind of intense. Actually, um, if you go back to Exodus chapter 19, you can see what's happening. What he's doing is, again, his readers had deep Jewish roots, and so what he's doing is he's drawing back on something that they would have known. And so what, what happened, just to kind of give you a little bit of context, so what happened is the people of Israel were in captivity in Egypt. They were in captivity in Egypt, and the Lord raised up Moses. He, he actually called Moses on Mount Sinai. He called Moses, and Moses went, and he went to the people of Israel. He brought them out of captivity in Egypt, across the Red Sea, and they began to wander in the desert. And as, as they're wandering in the desert, they come to Mount Sinai once again. And they come to Mount Sinai, and this is what happens when they come to Mount Sinai. They come to Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up on the mountain. So here goes Moses. He's in, so I'm Moses for you guys today, okay? Here goes Moses. So Moses goes up on the mountain. Okay, that's all the high I'm going to go. I'm scared of heights. All right, he goes up on the mountain, and he comes back down. I'd be great, great at climbing a mountain, right? He comes back down, and uh, he speaks to the people. And then after he speaks to the people, he goes back up on the mountain again to hear from the Lord. He hears from the Lord again. I'll go up one more. Ah, he goes up one more. He hears from the Lord 
And he comes back down, and he speaks to the people. He goes up, he comes back down. He goes up, and he has a revelation from the Lord, and he comes back down, right? So he does that two times, and he comes back down. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 through 19. And again, I'm laying a foundation for you guys this morning. It says, on the morning, on the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. And everyone in the camp trembled. And then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it with fire. And smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. So if you can imagine this, Moses goes up, he hears from the Lord, comes back down. He goes up again, hears from the Lord, comes back down. He, and then when he comes back down, he's, he's speaking, and the Lord begins to move on the mountain, and the mountain is shaking, and the mountain is filled with smoke, and there's a, a dense fog, and there's a trumpet, like a heavenly trumpet that's playing, that's getting louder and louder. I can't even, I can't even do it. It's just louder and louder. And so, so you, I don't know, if, if, you're, if, if you can't imagine that with me, and, and, before, and before this happens, they say, hey, listen, Listen, um, before the Lord speaks, we need to make sure that everyone is consecrated to the Lord. So everyone, we want everyone, we've been wandering in the desert for a while. We need everyone to wash themselves. We need, we need everyone to clean themselves so that they're holy before the Lord. And then, um, if anyone touches the mountain, because the mountain is so holy and so set apart, and God is on top of this mountain, if anyone other than Moses and Aaron touch the mountain, go on the mountain, they must be killed with stones, or shot with arrows, okay? And, and furthermore, if there, let's say there's an innocent little squirrel, desert squirrel. I don't even know what, 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 what's out in the desert. Is there squirrels out in the desert? No, I don't know. Uh, like, a, like a desert llama? No, a desert, a desert camel? Okay, so, 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 so if a desert camel, I don't know if that's a thing, if a desert camel touches the mountain, they said not only do you need to kill any person, stone it, Shoot it with arrows, but if any, if any desert camel touches it, <laughs> you're losing your point, Evan. If, any, if, if a desert camel touches it, you're, you're to kill any animal that touches it, stone it, or shoot it with arrows. So imagine that with me. God, in his splendor, in his glory, in his might, shaking the mountain, a dense fog, darkness, smoke, fire, trembling, trumpet sound, camel touches the mountain, you're killing the camel, like getting louder and louder and louder. And you think about that, it's like, oh my goodness, that's an incredible picture, isn't it? That's an insane picture of scripture. When you read that, it's like, oh my goodness, like that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Like if you were there and you would think, oh my God, like to see the glory of the Lord and the mountain shaking and what would your response be? I feel like I would be amazed. But when you, look at the, when you look at the people of Israel, they were terrified. In fact, they said, we, we don't want to hear this any longer. We don't want to kill anyone any longer. Like, this is insane. The fire and the smoke and the dense cloud 
and the trumpet getting louder and louder and louder, like, ah, we, we don't want to experience this. This is crazy. We're trembling with fear. It was so powerful and so amazing and so spectacular that it was terrifying. I kind of wonder, like, how, how do you approach a holy and righteous God? Do you, do you wonder what your reception would be? You know, it's interesting. Like, how do you approach a holy, righteous, awesome, powerful God? I can't touch the mountain. If I touch the mountain, boom, my peeps are going to stone me. Okay? <laughs> there's, there's fire and smoke. Like, how do, how do I approach Mount Sinai? I'm here at the base camp, at the base of the mountain, and there's smoke and fire and craziness, and, and I'm just terrified. I'm terrified. And again, it, it, was, it was almost like a, it was like a foreshadowing of the old covenant and the new covenant. And the, what, what the old covenant did, I believe was proved to us that we are sinners separate from God. It proved that there was definitely a distance. Like Moses could go on the mountain, Aaron could go on the mountain, but that was it. It proved that there was a distance between us and God. The old covenant proved to us that we're sinners separate from God. And I think sometimes today, there are people that still view God in the old covenant way. They view God as someone who's distant and far off and powerful and angry and on a cloud, coming down in a cloud and, 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 and killing people, okay? And, and granted, there is a part of God that's like that. <laughs> but they just view God as being separate. They say, if, if, if I talk to God, it must be through my pastor because he's so righteous. Amen. Praise the Lord. It must be through my priest because he, he has a closer relationship with God. Like there, the, the, a lot of people view God uh, as distant and far off, and only a few people can come in contact with him. But if there's one thing that the old covenant did, it proved to us that we are sinners separate from God. When he was on Mount Sinai, um, Moses... Um, uh, got the law and he got the Ten Commandments. And I don't know if you've read through the law before, but it's actually kind of wild at how harsh some of it can be. In fact, I was just going through and reading the things that required the death penalty if you committed them. So in Old Testament law, if you, if you committed homicide, death, okay, I can understand that. If you worshipped other gods, death. Uh, witchcraft and divination, death. Child sacrifice, death. Adultery, death. Striking your parents, death. Where's my kids? Just kidding. Uh, Cursing your parents, death. Violating the Sabbath, death. Like, it was very, I mean, isn't that kind of harsh? Yes, I I think that was kind of the the point. I, I think the harshness of the law was a declaration to us of how serious the issue of sin is. Sometimes we forget the gravity of sin, and the Old Testament reminds us that it's serious. In fact, it says this in the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. 
The old covenant proved to us that we are sin- proves to us that we are sinners separate from God. The 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 um um. Uh, the second thing that I think the old covenant does is the old covenant produced in us produces in us a need for a savior. The old covenant, Mount Sinai, produces in us a need for a savior. Romans chapter eight it says that we are under the law; we're all powerless. We need someone to be our mediator. Here's this unapproachable, untouchable, unreachable mountain. It's, it's physical and it's temporary. It's dangerous and uninviting. And it's, it's un, again, it's unapproachable. We need someone to be our mediator. We need someone to be our mediator. We need someone to, to, to bridge the gap for us. But again, you, you look at this mountain, and it's, it's, awe, it's awe-inspiring. It's, it's, it's powerful and magnificent. But it seems a little uninviting, doesn't it? And the beauty is that the Lord has not called us to Mount Sinai. There isn't a Mount Sinai. I mean, maybe there is probably Mount Sinai, but there isn't a Mount Sinai out there anymore that's billowing with smoke. God has not called us to Mount Sinai. If you keep on reading in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assemble, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteousness, made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You have come to Mount Zion. Now, Mount Zion was a physical place. It was a city. It often referred to the city of David, the city of Jerusalem. It's a place on a map. But also, it's interesting, when you look at Scripture, Mount Zion... I don't think the author here is talking about the physical city of David or the city of Jerusalem here in Hebrews chapter 12. But it's used in a couple different references, a couple different ways in Scripture. Again, first it's used as a city, the city of Jerusalem, the city of David. It's a place on a map. But it's also used as the place where God dwells. The place where God dwells. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual kingdom of God. It's a place that's linked with God's blessings. It's a place that's linked with God's, again, God's presence. It's interesting when you read Psalms 46, because in Psalms chapter 46, it speaks of the city of God. It speaks of the city of Mount Zion. And it's weird because it talks about how the city is the place of, it's like a place of refuge. It speaks of the city and it says that in the city um, in, in the city, uh, it's, it's in the city of God. It says that, that, that there's a place where uh, rivers are going to be flowing out and giving life. But you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, where His firstborn, we, um, uh, we're His firstborn, um, and our names are written in heaven. 
We're not called to Mount Sinai, but we're called to Mount Zion. I, like, I love what it says in, in Romans chapter 8. It says, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but who live according to the Spirit. Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. So now that we're under the new covenant, now that we're under the covenant of grace, what should be our response? And he actually answers this in verse 28, and verses 25 actually through 29. He says, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Like he's saying, you need to respond. You you need to respond to what God has called you to. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will uh, shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the word once more indicates the removing of what has been shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. I think it's a call here for us to respond to Mount Zion. Now is the time for salvation. Now is the time to start hemming and hawing and thinking about the glories of the past, maybe, or our past, but now is the time of thanksgiving. So, so, so let's be thankful and worship in reverence and awe. As the worship team come, come, comes back up again. I think sometimes it's, it's when we look at the power of the things that happened on Mount Sinai, we think about the glory and the smoke and the fire and the earthquake. We think, wow, that was, really, that was a really powerful move of the Lord. But God has so much more for us under the new covenant. At one time he shook at one time he shook the earth but he's going to be shaking the earth and the heavens. One time only a few people could approach the mountain, only a few people could go up. The mediator was Moses. But now Jesus is our mediator. And now he invites us to come and to dwell in the heavenly city of Jerusalem on Mount Zion. He he invites us to come into his presence where there are blessings forevermore. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you have just been sitting back. And I I think the Lord is speaking to us this morning and telling us that, that, that let us not refuse him. 
that there are blessings for us even greater. God, we thank you so much for your presence that's here this morning. God, I thank you for your word, which is true and powerful. God, you know, maybe there are some people here that have, um, they've just been struggling. Maybe they have been um, focusing on uh, the things in their past. And God, I pray right now that you will move them beyond that and that you'll let them know that Uh, you have even greater things for them in store in the future. God, as we sing this song one last time, may you be glorified and lifted high in your holy name.